0: Press me to justify my reasons for saying no to him.
1: W- w- women's rights are human rights.
2: Who's got the power? Hello, everyone. This is Mariana with the Brava Media Podcast, a place where if men can have locker room talk, we can have a place in the media too. For our very first podcast, we'll take you behind the scenes in Brava Media and show you what it's like to sit with us around a kitchen table, quite literally. Um, we placed a mic on a kitchen table and we started recording. First, we tried introductions. Alex, Rachel, and Heather. And I asked my colleagues, why in the world did you decide to do this crazy media project with me?
1: Well, it- This is Heather. I don't think I need to say that every time. Like, they're just going to have to figure out my voices, right?
3: I think this time, though, it's fine to say this is Heather because all they got was, and Heather! (laughs) This
1: is Heather, and I am here and participating in the Bravo Project and excited about it because, actually, one of the things we'll be talking about later on, which is some of the news stories and the news coverage that we see around women running for political office that includes things like Michelle Lujan Grisham's horrible penchant for eating carbs when she gets stressed. That was an actual note made about Michelle Lohan Grisham in her official Albuquerque Journal profile as she's running for governor. These are the kinds of things that, over time, just undermine all of the work that women are doing. And having these conversations and calling it out and naming it, I think, is a very important part of changing the system, and Brava creates a place where we can have those conversations.
0: This is Rachel. I feel like they're isn't enough coverage um, for LGBTQ people and for Native communities, especially in New Mexico where we have over 20 different federally recognized community, Native communities. Um, As a queer Native parent, I don't see myself represented in the media. And um, so this is my uh, opportunity to show uh, what Native people are totally capable of and how we need to start um, Doing it ourselves.
3: This is Alex, and I'm here because, like Rachel, I don't think that I've been represented in media um, almost at all. And I want to do a better job of making sure that we uplift the voices of those in our community who are doing great work and don't get recognized. It's also important to me to make sure that. We're uplifting New Mexicans because we are constantly thrown to the bottom of every list and told that we are not worthwhile, and we know that to be completely false. Um, so I want to show New Mexicans all over the state that we are the best, we hustle harder than anybody else, and that we just do things a little bit differently, and that deserves to be recognized as well.
2: Here, here. Mm-hmm. So, like, why this particular crazy project? Like, why wouldn't you, um, you know, write an op-ed? You know, why Brava?
0: I think this is more of a long-term thing. Like This is uh, one way for us to create a systemic change. And this is a group of women that I trust personally and professionally. And I know have my back and I have theirs. And this is just the best group um, to build out that vision for New Mexico and for media and for communities that aren't... Uh, talked about in the media in the most positive light in New Mexico and across the country. Well so you could have an op-ed run
1: one day and then the next day there's just gonna be another front page article that relegates a woman to a marginalized place, relegates a person of color, communities of color. So I see this as creating a space where the norm is recognizing the accomplishments of um, communities that aren't rep- represented fairly. In mainstream media not just the occasional hey guys over there at the journal yeah, <laughs> maybe yeah. you should have uh, thought about that no carb diet
3: mention um before you printed it <laughs> my, my answer is twofold one um an op-ed is a little bit about amplifying my voice and speaking to others but still having me speak my goal is to amplify the voice of others and i think that brava is a great way to do that we've already done that by highlighting some amazing women and amazing projects that are happening in new Mexico. And two, sometimes writing op-eds while great and effective is still playing by the rules and doing what everybody else tells us yeah. to and putting into the system that was already made for us. is doing something totally different. Brava's changing the system, Bravo's disruptive, and that's what gets things done.
2: <laughs> that being said, so kind of popping into recent articles, um, about the year of the woman. Who wants to start on that? Oh Alex, I, I love know you about the year of the woman. Really <laughs> have so to do oh,
3: it. Let me it. So the Year of the Woman, first of all, I have to say, really frustrates me in general. Um, because it's this idea that women are coming out of the rafters and they've never been, you know, independent <laughs> before and these layers. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> These ladies getting ideas. They have the right to vote for a hundred years, (laughs) and it's really not recognizing the work that's been done for generations. Um, Women have been leaders in their homes and their communities for time immemorial, since since long before the current systems have been put into place that have just not benefited women. Um,
1: Well, and you had talked about when we were talking about this before that. The Year of the Woman idea really frustrated you, this year in particular, because it defined mm-hmm. everything that women were doing and accomplishing as a reaction against a man, namely Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was such an interesting take on it, because I was very excited. All oh, these women are running. It's yeah. like the, the next Year of the women after you know 1992 when I was in college. This <laughs> is amazing. But I think your perspective on it is actually much more well-rounded in that we can't keep having these every 30-year outbursts of yeah. reaction against you know, Clarence Thomas or Donald yeah. Trump, that the work goes on all the time. Just the media seem to recognize it when it comes into the traditional spheres that they cover.
3: Yeah, I mean, you essentially turn women into a fashion statement, right? Yes. You're thinking, oh, they're so in vogue right now. It's catchy. It's catchy yeah. to be yes. a woman. That's it's right. good time to be a woman on the ballot, yes. um, which is not fair. It doesn't recognize. For example, some of these women, um, Deb Holland went through the Emerging Mexico program in 2007 and is now running for Congress. Right. That's over a decade of work that she has put in to put herself yes. in this as position. As a chair of the party, and as a yes. exactly. governor,
1: as a community exactly. organizer. Yeah, yes. real work. Real, real work.
3: work that she has done, political work that she has done, not even looking at the the work that she did prior to getting involved in politics. I mean this woman has dedicated so much time and the media treats it like an overnight sensation because Donald Trump is out there grabbing snatches and this is our, our response which is not fair at all and we don't need a man to tell us when it's okay to run for office. Or to create an
1: environment that is so abhorrent that mm-hmm. now we have to run for office. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I, think, I really
1: I think that's a, such an interesting take on it. Um, I have I, another thought. I, I feel like thoughts.
3: it also, another frustration I have with this Year of the Woman concept is that we're also not recognizing the years of oppression against women that have kept women from running from office oh, you or mean giving the us norm. the ability to do to exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like, oh, women just woke up one day and decided they wanted to run for office. No, women have wanted to run for office. Probably since day one, but we're never given the opportunity to do so. And what people really need to do is turn around and look at the systems that made it really impossible for women to do so and and take a look in the mirror, probably.
1: Well, and this sort of segues, and Mariana, I don't want to take over your job, but segues into a story that we were talking about from the New York Times that looks at the kinds of harassment that women candidates experience and just how aggressive and harsh it is. And it's so different from what male candidates experience. And I literally was talking to a friend of mine the other day who was considering running for office in the future. Um, and it's a, it's a really great local office, it's a great fit for her, she'd be wonderful, everything's great. But I had to give her my usual spiel that I give candidates, yeah. which is like, so, everybody's gonna tell you, you're too tall, you're too short, you're yeah. too fat, you're too thin, you're too yeah. pretty, you're too ugly, you're too this, you're too that. Your privacy will not exist anymore. Everybody will have your home address. Men will show up at your front door. People will follow you home. You know, and it's ridiculous to have to have these conversations. But as that article points out, the running for office as a woman is no small feat because of the the very real threats that you receive, and quite literally threats.
3: And you add on top of that, you know. Intersectionality. So you're a woman, and then you're a woman of color on top of that. Well, then you have to deal with racist remarks and um, remarks against you as a woman. Say you're a single mother. Then you have to think about how, the fact that people <laughs> might know where you live, and that's where your kiddos are, and what do I do about that? Um, maybe you're a caregiver for your, your parents. What do I do now? Everybody knows where we live. Like, it can be really intimidating for anybody to run for office, but when you put, put a woman in that seat where... You know, the statistics have not been our favor um, and the system is clearly against us. And then you add other types of marginalization on top of it, it. It really can be disheartening and dissuading. So to see these women still rise up and still run for office and to rise, run for some of these higher seats is incredible and a testament that to their spirit, um, their strength, and their leadership that we've right. never seen before. I have
1: to break in on the Still They Rise thing. Did y'all see that oh video God. of oh, Monica I watched Youngblood. it. You can't oh, watch sir. it anymore. It has been removed no from way. the YouTube's. Yes. No I went to show it to someone last night. So for anybody who doesn't know, Monica Youngblood, who got arrested on suspicion of a driving while intoxicated during her campaign, threw her weight around, tried to get out of, cried and tried to get out of, the arrest, all kinds of amazing stuff. Even as she's passing very regressive legislation that puts uh, disproportionately puts people of color at disadvantages within the criminal justice system, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. She made this video for her campaign that was on that looks YouTube
2: surprisingly like Stephanie Garcia Richards Oh, yeah, it looks exactly like <laughs> Stephanie, <laughs> Stephanie Garcia, exactly right like Stephanie Garcia Richards.
1: So in imitations, it's form of flattery and yeah. it's basically not basically it is Monica Youngblood jogging across the West Mesa Like looking with these shots down over onto the West side beautifully shot. It looks lovely but in the background Is the sort of spoken word of Maya Angelou reciting and still I rise as if somehow Monica Youngblood having to be it was awful it was awful but somehow equating Monica Youngblood's struggle with the DUI to that of the African American struggle for freedom and equality over hundreds of years in the United States it was so uh, offensive and wild but it is off of YouTube now good choice Good choice, Monica. That bad choice that any of us ever had to see
2: that. So, let's pause for a second. Um, At this point in the conversation, we knew that we had articles that we wanted to talk about, uh, but we felt a little bit scripted and stifled just staying on those particular topics. So, as natural, we got off on a tangent which is where we will pick
3: up this conversation. That,
1: yeah, suddenly a white man is the litmus test for who is the most progressive person in America. A
3: rich white man who's been in Congress for 20-some right, years. and he's not even a politician. And is not even who a Democrat. A he was not even a Democrat and had the audacity to turn around and tell, <laughs> tell the first black president that he was establishment. That's right. That... Yeah. That guy. white man. Yeah.
0: yeah, and for Senator Sanders to be seen as a litmus test for who's progressive and who's not is not. I mean, so for Alexandria Ocasio Cortez to um, be this brilliant woman of color who is my age running for Congress, beating out this old white guy, to be endorsed by an old white guy, and then um, go out. Who's other can- candidates are not
3: winning, by the way?
0: Yes, and Florida. Last oh yes, night. in Florida last night. Um, but like in Kansas, my homegirl Sharice uh, running for uh, yeah. congressional district three. Mm-hmm. Um, she beat out a, a Bernie endorsed candidate, and it was amazing. But for her to be. You know, native, a lesbian, um, and have all of these awesome accolades, what about her isn't progressive enough? Exactly. And I think we run the risk of um, putting people into boxes and, and making them feel like they're not progressive enough even though they have certain values. Um, it, it just, it doesn't feel right. It, and it makes it more complicated when we have more people of color running, more women running, and yet we're still holding Senator Sanders as the the standard, the gold standard for what a progressive is.
1: I definitely agree. And and I, I think that leads to a conversation of why is it why is it so important to have different voices at the table. When I worked in DC, um, Representative Crawley had just come to Congress, and that's who um Ocasio Cortez um, defeated. He's a good guy, nothing wrong with him, he voted well, no big issues. But there's a difference between having someone who's good on the issues versus somebody who has lived the issues. Mm -hmm. I feel the same way with Stacey Abrams in Georgia, that just having her at the table as the governor will change the way in which conversations are being had. It's not that her values would be so markedly different, or her voting record, let me say, would be so markedly different. From another Democrats from another progressive Democrats but the reality is so many times even people who share our values sell women up the river down the river whatever the expression is when it comes time to make legislation mm-hmm. if it's going to be you know you have a budget deal if you restrict access on funding for abortion clinics sweet we got a budget deal all yeah, good whereas funny. if you had different people at the table making those decisions they're going to fight for different things. Absolutely. And and I that's where I think the real difference comes in, that this can't be about power, although it fundamentally is, right? Like, you mm-hmm. can't take power out of the conversation. But it can't be about power. It has to be about shared values, but that come from unique perspectives and passions. What you're willing to fight for is very different if you're Bernie Sanders versus if you are Deb Holland.
3: I think... So I have two points. One, um, at the end of the day, this is supposed to be a representative democracy. And even if somebody votes well, do they adequately represent the population that they're being sent to Congress for? And if we have a a Congress that, again, maybe they vote well, but they all look the same, that does not represent our democracy. And that is something we need to change. Right. And how you arrive at your values is as important or potentially more important Mm -hmm. than just having
1: those values. You know, there's a difference between a limousine liberal, which we love, love me as some limousine liberals, but there's a difference between a limousine liberal and someone who has struggled through, um, uh, through class and race issues and immigration and really experienced and arrived at their values through a hardship, not an intellectual process.
0: Mm-hmm. 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 I'm really excited for the trans woman who was elected um, as a representative, I think it, it Virginia. was in Virginia.
3: Oh, right. Danica Rome. There
0: That's you go. Right. Yeah. What are you going to do now that you, you know, replaced an old white guy who didn't want you at all? and, you know, to participate or anything. Didn't
2: that person uh, introduce a bathroom bill, by the way? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: And she said, you know, he's my constituent and his, um, his, the things that are important to him are important to me too. You know, we're Mm -hmm. talking about roads and we're talking about infrastructure and, and schools and all of those things, things that actually matter to communities. And at the end of the day, it's gonna be what's best for our kids, what is going to keep our community together, um, whether it's infrastructure, education, um, healthcare, um, homelessness, like at the end of the day, those are the things we have to come together around. And so just being able to exemplify that representative's um, gracefulness. Essentially what I'm saying is that um, that that representative was just being graceful and that we should all try to exemplify that. Um.
1: Definite, no, that was definitely a classy move and a classy response on her part. I, though, have been struggling yeah. with this idea of, um, I can't remember her name, Kirsten... Cinema? No, ho- Secretary of Homeland Security. Oh, oh Nielsen. Thank you. Um. <laughs> after her when she was at a Mexican restaurant of all places and Sarah Huckabee Sanders when she was out to dinner with friends these sort of private intrusions based on public actions and this, you know lack of civility and when I first heard about that I was like oh this is so wrong that is not how we conduct ourselves and I heard so many people younger than me of which there are many (laughs) having conversations that were very supportive of these actions and I think that is, goes back to sort of what that representative was saying, yes. that there's a time and a place where you have to be gracious and you have to follow the rules, but we didn't get very far. We haven't gotten very far over mm-hmm. the past however many years by following the rules. Right. I am not comfortable being the person who goes up to somebody at dinner with their kids and harassing them. That's not going to be my style. But I also get that... Following the rules hasn't worked very well and trying new things and finding a new way because the system works for people like the Secretary of Homeland Security. Mm-hmm. The system works for the people who are in power and our just automatic compliance with it makes us in some ways complicit. Again, I know that's never going to have me running up to somebody at their dinner and <laughs> like, you know, stealing their tortilla chips and running away. but. It is where talking about, like, this how do we play within the system that exists, we're not trying to overthrow the government, but change it in
0: ways that are substantial
1: and that change the
0: rules. I I understand that 100%. I I mean, that is one example of how we can be gracious, but I just want to put out there, like, I agree with Heather 100%. In 2016, when Trump came to New Mexico, I was out there rallying and, and chanting, and it was a beautiful way for us. Against as, him, right? Against. Yes, <laughs> yes. It's yes, going yes. to, to be clear. Yes, we were out there um, protesting his being in this beautiful state that I was born and raised in and raised my own family in, um, that he doesn't represent New Mexico values at all. And um, there were some folks who were um, destroying property. And at first, I I had that same thought, like, why would they do that? It kind of delegitimizes what we're trying to accomplish and our message. But as I thought more about it and heard from folks younger than me, and I'm and I'm. You're way young. younger than them. So. These are <laughs> kids. You're talking to the elementary school um, kids. Yes, I'm talking to the elementary kids. Um, I realized uh, I am. Um, inadvertently valuing property over people. I am, uh, sup- I am endorsing the harm that capitalism and the way that our democratic republic operates with capitalism. I am valuing that over the lives of people and for me to use other people's anger as a way to shame them um, because I or my colleagues and I are not getting our message across because of what they're doing is wrong and if people are you know how who are we to say that their anger and that their sadness and everything that they're feeling is wrong um when we are um operating within a system that wasn't created for us it was created for the Kristen nielsen's and the donald trump's of the world
3: yeah i think it's interesting whenever i think about you know ways of of changing the system and making it different because i think that Especially systems in America were set up in a very binary, right? You're either peacefully protesting or you're violently protesting. You're either well right. for this right. or you're against and this. And if you're a person you're...
1: of color, you can't do either. Right, right. exactly. Oh, yeah, like
3: you will, neither option ni- is acceptable. But <laughs> Take <laughs> it away. You're screwed. Yeah. You're screwed. Um, so I think part of shaking it up is working outside of that binary, too. And that's really hard when we've never seen what that can look like.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, we, we don't know what that third option is. We don't know what the gray option is yet, but I think a lot of people are starting to figure that out and starting to work outside of that and really changing those systems by not adhering one way or another. I'm not gonna give you the satisfaction by acting, and this is in, in regards to what you said about the protest, I completely agree with you. But anyways, I'm not gonna give you the satisfaction by acting the way that you say I'm gonna act, but I'm also not gonna do this and play by these rules and how does that work? Where do we yeah. find that balance? Well, I think how do we create a different system and play outside the system? Because sometimes breaking the rules is still playing within that system, if that makes sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. because they're the rules that you're allowed
1: to break or you're supposed to break. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I think this goes back to our discussion on representation and having two representation in the folks that we elect, right? Because it's, you know, women, uh, women, women of color, and queer folks are running in these midterm elections and turning people out like nuts, Mm -hmm. right? But what does it mean to have this representation of folks who have for their entire lives bucked the system and found a third way? They've found a way to not be in this binary system. And so I think getting back to representation and the folks that we vote for, um, I think that's a discussion that we need to have.
3: Yeah, Um, that reminds me, I had a, a second point about the the Bernie discussion that I wanted to bring up because it's amazing to me that we have this gold standard in, in this man that we discussed who, first of all, doesn't adhere to the standard that he preaches himself, but second of all, is somebody who lost. And so we still live in a society where a, a man who lost, legitimately lost, I'm sorry, that's just, that's it, how- it's just yeah. math and I'm I'm not trying to be disrespectful or rude. It's true, he he just lost and he... he kind of lost by a big margin, and he's still out there as the the gold standard of what we are supposed to look to. And I think that really speaks to the way that women and people of color are treated. A person of color running for office, in some cases, is not seen as legitimate, like you said earlier, or progressive enough because they don't have this gold stamp of endorsement from a man who lost. And whose Where is our nation?
0: And the candidates he is endorsing, most of them have lost. And... Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I don't know if it, it's who is endorsing him or endorsing the candidate or if, it, if you know, maybe that community, not that they're not ready, um, but just that, you know, just having maybe in some ways the community is
3: feeling that but isn't articulating it mm-hmm. in the same way we are. Well, and it's super interesting, too, because I I think that when you look at the the racial breakdowns of some of these votes, people of color didn't necessarily show up for Bernie Sanders Mm -hmm. in the primaries, Um, but they're showing up for these folks. So it's not because Bernie stamped Alexandria or, the like you said, a lot of his candidates right now are just not winning, but um, some of these other candidates. It's because we're eager and hungry for representation, It's not because of this stamp. But the system is still telling us, okay, great, you have to be either or. You're either a, you know, sad noodle Democrat who is just boring and part of the establishment, or you're part of this progressive wing, and it still puts us in this weird binary. This progressive binary, but a binary nonetheless. That goes back to sort of
1: just the political establishment in terms of, that system that supports and um, runs political campaigns. After a primary the Sierra is having a conversation with a male political operative whom I really like and have a great deal of respect for, and he was really frustrated at some of the losses of people that he had supported. And his comment was, well, yeah, we just, we got the polling wrong because we didn't ask voters if they were just going to go in and vote for a woman no matter what.
2: Oh, no. And I
1: know,
0: oh, no, I know,
1: no. and I sort of felt like, well, for the past however many years we've been doing polling, we've just been assuming they were going to vote for the man. So the right. polls are always structured the way that you seem to think, you know, we we now have to change our whole perspective and like actually ask people, do you care? Are you right. going to vote on this? And And I feel like, and I'll use the term, when people talk about that identity politics piece, they feel very strongly that identity politics is not okay. We've had 250 years of identity politics. Yes, we have. And that identity was white and male. And straight. And straight. And the fact that that is the default, so it's not considered the identity, I really think we need to have That's that right. conversation That's as right. a country as well because the same that thing...
2: absolutely <laughs> identity politics. Exactly. Right. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Um, So I I just found that very interesting, that the systems that are supporting some of these candidates, particularly the establishment candidates, don't even understand that there's something wrong with the system that they've been using for so long, because it makes such an assumption of what normal is. Right.
3: Well, and I think it's interesting that um, folks aren't even considering that there could be a woman candidate who falls into all those categories too, who might check all of these boxes that the male candidate was checking. So of course, yeah, especially in primaries, they're going to come back with same, the similar results and they might not know who's voting for who because women come with the same type of issues. sometimes. Mm-hmm. Women have the same problems. Women have the same qualifications. And if you don't put those, uh, the, the woman or man box in there, mm-hmm. you might not be able to tell the difference between some of these folks yeah and for hundreds of years that the default has always been to vote
1: for the male candidate Mm -hmm. and now that that default is being shifted that it's no longer a guarantee right um it's i think it's making people uncomfortable and i believe very strongly that we all need to be made (laughs) uncomfortable from time to time um and i'm really intrigued to see how how people handle that discomfort and where they go with it is there a backlash coming is there an acceptance coming? Are we moving mm-hmm. the needle? Like, what metaphor can we use yeah, for absolutely. for where we're actually going to end up going with it?
0: I think this also um, reiterates the the need for polling companies, campaigns, candidates to hire people from their community, That's right. hire mm-hmm. people who, and be willing to do capacity building. That's right. We cannot, I mean, like your colleague who was like, eh, going to vote for her because she's a woman like no that she might have been able to connect better with people on the issues that matter most and if you are not hiring from the community people who have the pulse of of the community who have um the drive to build on those skills quickly during an election season you're cheating yourself and um, you're gonna be uncomfortable for a long time mm-hmm. until you start investing um, in polling companies that um, strive to be to um, be intersectional internally right. and within the questions they ask. Looking for campaign managers who might have also had some community organizing experience. Looking for staffers who might just be poli-sci students and maybe pay them. Um, <laughs> right. You know, just thinking outside of the box about who were... Why how would we're, we do
2: something like that? Oh, <laughs> God forbid.
0: It's oh, God not forbid somebody from, people. I don't know, Columbus, Ohio, who's coming in to run my campaign. I mean... Those That's like the whitest place you could think of. You like randomly. <laughs> not even the whitest place. But I, I know that there are campaigns um, that Many. bring their bring experts from oh, different absolutely. states. Uh, experts. Let's experts, use some air ex- quotes ex- there.
2: Yeah. air quotes. There with are a lot experts. of air quotes on this side. And,
0: <laughs> and there are um, campaign staffers that I have grown um, very. Uh, friendly with and and have a lot of respect for them, but they're not from New Mexico. They're And not... at the
2: very end, they go back home.
0: And they go home. They go
2: back, and we are left with you know a candidate that wins or loses. That's either good for our community or not good for our community. And it,
0: and and that goes hand in hand with so one of my frustrations that I've had, and one of the reasons why I got involved in politics um, when I turned eighteen in two thousand eight, is because I was tired of seeing. Um, campaign staffers or canvassers or having getting phone calls from people who weren't from the state who I was never going to hear from again um, and the candidate might come for like one event in the district and Ask for our vote win and then leave and it's hard to get in touch with them during the session or during the interim committees you know I that's an, one of the things that drives me to do what I do and to be a part of Brava is to help candidates and legislators and people who work behind the scenes recognize that unless you're hiring us, people who look like us, your constituents, nothing is going to change. So you might as well buckle in and ride the uncomfortable train for a little while longer <laughs> Dude, until poo. we vote you out and <laughs> start running ourselves, which is starting to happen. Yeah.
1: And, and I think there's also... You have to, we all have to get beyond our assumptions, mm-hmm. what no matter what those assumptions are. And we have to take a, a serious look as we're dealing with this political process, what assumptions are we making? Why are we making those assumptions? What assumptions are other people making? And question them. Um, because there's a lot that each of us brings to the table when we're deciding who to vote for, or if we're working for a candidate, or if we're responding to an interaction with the media. There's a lot that we bring to it and we have to look at our own assumptions as well.
2: And I think that brings us to a really good conclusion because that's why we're here for Brava, right? These are things that we want to change. Um, we want to change the narrative around what happens in politics in New Mexico. Why? Because we're from here, we love it here, we're staying here and we're working for the candidates here.
1: I think we should wrap up with one um, prediction from each of us for some breaking news that either we'd like to see or we could very well see happening in the coming weeks. So take a minute to mull that over and we'll figure out what our, what our predictions are. So my prediction, I'm going to go out totally on a limb here. I think that Jeff Apodaca is not going to go away. That it's is my prediction. prediction. I am predicting I know. And totally yes. out on a limb, but I don't think Jeff Apodaca is going to go away. And I think, I think he just might endorse Steve Pierce.
2: Oh. That's interesting. Oh, at this rate. He kind of already did. I was like, wait, <laughs> that didn't happen. No, no, no. You know, no you know, that's right. right. He kind of already
1: did. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, maybe this idea isn't working. Predictions. Favorite news story. Weirdest idea book you're reading thought
2: of the... oh my god book i'm reading okay i'm just saying i started art of war <gasps> it is the most brilliant thing to use don't I even know this what is it heather. Okay. heather okay oh my god the art of war i'm saying of i like okay. two
0: thousand years old we don't
2: need shame okay wait we don't need we don't need shame, don't need shame. Reason, hashtag the no the reason i'm surprised <laughs> is because to me this is the best strategy book i've seen in my entire life and I know people have discovered this book way before me. I'm a little bit late to the game in that. But, like, it's about combat and it's about war. But you can apply the strategies to, like, Anything. honestly, I apply the strategies to us battling the conservatives every day now.
0: Um, I guess I'll talk about this podcast that I'm listening to. All right. What is it? Okay. Um, it's not necessarily related to politics, but rap, because I love rap. Uh, it's called dissect and they dissect um, prominent rap albums and the the series they do on kanye west's um my beautiful dark twisted fantasy uh helped me uh become more empathetic not just to him because he has um um, he's very problematic Mm -hmm. yes um he also lives with um with being bipolar and i also live with mental health things and it was just uh, a way for me to connect with something that I really love and also uh, grow this uh, characteristic, I guess, um, and being more empathetic to people. Um, I also learned a lot about rap and soul. So,
1: Anything that can make you more empathetic to someone like Kanye no. West, that is powerful.
3: That's, that's <laughs> the art of the
1: world. Right <laughs> <laughs> that is the art of the world. Whatever you least expected him in your
0: heart. In my heart and in my podcast. Yay. (laughs) But they also dissected to pimp a butterfly. So, y'all listen to Kendrick Lamar. There you go.
3: Now I have two things suddenly. One, was it today or yesterday was Michael Jackson's birthday? I don't know, but I was on my MJ today. So, I was dancing. I was in the office alone for a little while because both had out of office meetings. Your girl got down. Yes. Um, by herself. <laughs> Side note to that, I've also been on a Janice Joplin kick, which oh, has been just oh. lovely and empowering in its she's own nice. way because she's phenomenal. Um, late to the party on shows, but I just started Pose, which I know is your <gasps> stuff. And I finished because Atlanta's pretty quick to get through. I finally watched the first season of Atlanta. And, I mean could Donald Glover be any more talented? It's just, it's just stupid. That being said, while I was picking my weeds because I have a fun life, um, we all got it, girl. We all got that's what your 20s are about, Bo. Your 40s are when you yeah.
1: hire
2: somebody.
3: <laughs> I'm not there yet. No, i I still have to pick them. <laughs> Lowly peasant, as plebes. I think that Janelle Monet is equally oh, talented, yet nobody yes. pays attention. So, I love her. There's that. Oh,
2: she
3: is, I pay attention. She's the queer
2: I goddess. That's cartoons. right. <laughs> it's like, I pay attention.
1: Yeah. All right, well, I'll give then one recommendation, which I actually gave to Mariana, which was um, Hannah Gadsby's um, Netflix oh special, Manette. God. Oh, my God. Oh if you want a good God cry. God. Uh, it is so... It's powerful. It mm-hmm. is absolutely so powerful. It's also laugh out love funny. Like mm-hmm. it really is funny, but by the end of it, so many different ways that you look at the world and see things absolutely. have shifted. And I, I give her so much credit for being brave in telling her story in the way that she tells it, but also for being such a, a, a genius mm-hmm. for the way in which she's able to make you laugh, make you cry, make you think, make you cringe. And sort of leave you hanging in that uncomfortableness, you know? That the, yeah. she, she uses that, like, and she talks about it, like uses that comedic technique of creating tension, but then typically the comedian's job, right, is then to ease that tension that they've created. She doesn't she do it. it. She just leaves you sitting in that tension, and it is very powerful. I highly, highly, highly recommend that. That and Killing Eve. If you haven't seen Killing Eve... Don't watch it alone. It's creepy, scary, serial killer stuff. But um, the serial killer's a woman. The detective is a woman. It's Sandra Oh. You have to watch it. Oh, I love Sandra Oh. Right? Right? Very cool. All right, ladies. Well, I believe that's a wrap for this
2: week. Good job. See
1: you next time. Bye. Bye. And I'm Heather.
0: (laughs) I'm Rachel. <laughs> Alex. <laughs> and Alex! And
2: Alex has...
0: And <laughs> <laughs>